0: You're listening to Emirates World here on your Emirates flight today. I hope wherever you're heading, the flight is going well and the cabin crew are taking good care of you. This channel is devoted to literature and in particular the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature that takes place in Dubai from March the 2nd to the 10th. My next guest is a newbie, a first-timer to the festival, although not a newbie to Dubai, as we'll find out in a minute. It's a special warm welcome to Floella Benjamin, or to give you your full title, Baroness Floella Benjamin, a member of the British House of Lords. So welcome to the programme. And first up, are you looking forward to visiting the festival? I can't wait.
1: I've heard so much about this festival. A lot of my friends who are writers and authors have just said to me, you're going to have a great time. It's one of the best festivals in the world to do. You know, so what an accolade for the, uh, the festival and the people who organized it. Fantastic. Isabel is an amazing woman. I've read about her and I feel kindred spirit because she, like me, understands the meaning of childhood. Childhood lasts a lifetime. And if you can create magic for children, then you've got well-rounded
0: human beings, adults, when they grow up. You've just been chatting to Isabel outside the studio now and uh, do you get on well with her? Do you bond?
1: Well, we, it's the first time we've met. I've never met her, but I've read about her and I always hug. I'm a hugger. When I meet people, I hug. I think spiritually we need to connect through touch. And and the first thing she said to me is, can I hug you? <laughs> <laughs> Can you? And I said, We are truly kindred spirits. Because she said to me, Can I hug you? Yeah. And you very rarely find people who understand the meaning of a hug. A hug is so important. We're craving for hugs. I used to be the Chancellor of the University of Exeter, and I hugged all my graduates. And I was a chancellor. I was the first black woman to be a chancellor in the UK, and so I felt if I was going to be a chancellor, I had to do it my way. I wanted to be, the, to be, you know, engaging, to spiritually connect with the students, and I knew that was had to do that because uh, after about a year or two, uh, being chancellor, I got a letter from a, a, a student who said to me, "Chancellor, when I was little, my mother never loved me, never showed me any affection, always told me I was stupid." When I told her I'm going to university, my mother said, why are you bothering? When I got my first, my mother said, big deal. To the chancellor, I felt so low. I had no self-esteem and I wasn't going to come to graduation, but my friends were coming. So I thought I might as well come. And she said, when I came onto the stage and they called my name, you opened your arms and I came into your arms and there were the arms of the mother I had longed for all my life. And you told me to go out and change the world. And in that moment, I knew I could do anything because of that hug. See the importance of a hug? How many people listening now are craving for a hug? To be told they are worthy, they're beautiful. To give them the confidence. And that's what I try and do in my life. Through my writing, through my acting, everything I do in the House of Lords, I try and give people that feeling of belonging. I am worthy. That's all it takes. And Isabel has got that. So I feel so thrilled and happy to be going to the festival, to be part of her world.
0: So if the Emirates cabin crew get inundated with hugs today, <laughs> they're going to blame you.
1: <laughs> well, it's nothing. Well, you know, it, it has to be a hug that is, comes from the heart. It's not a sexual hug. I remember once I made a speech to um, some surgeons... And talking about why you're a surgeon and how you need to connect with your patients. Your patients, they're not just a number. They're human beings who some might die, some are frightened, some are worried about what's going to happen. And I want you to start connecting with the world, connecting. You know you are a cho- you're one of the chosen people there to change lives, to make a difference. I want you to start doing that. There were these m- surgeons, these men from Saudi Arabia. And at the very end, when I finished my speech, they came up. And they hugged me and they said, Baroness, you've done something to us today. Spiritually, we feel connected about who we are as human beings. That's the magic of a hug. And we human beings, we're not doing it enough to each other. We're not embracing. And, you know, Isabel was saying that the wonders of the the festival is when you see United Nations there, all cultures, all class, all race all sitting there understanding how you connect through words, the magic of words. And your words hugs the person, cocoons the person, makes them feel, that's me, that writer is talking about. They're describing my life, my emotions. And what better opportunities, how privileged we are to feel we can do that. Do that. And as the cabin crew goes through, and, and the passengers just to be nice to one another. So many people are horrible in this world. Just smile. Just be nice. And it gives you that great feeling in your inner soul if you can do that.
0: I've been smiling a lot recently because I've been reading your book called Coming to England, uh, which is all about how as a young child you left your native Trinidad and, uh, and I can't imagine why came to grey, grimy, cold, wet England. <laughs> I can't think of anything worse, but... Nevertheless, you did. Now, uh, this isn't a new book, is it? Although it's recently been re-released.
1: Well, I wrote Come Into England uh, 20 years ago. uh, And I wrote it because I wanted children of Caribbean West Indian heritage to understand why they're in Britain. And 50, 60, 70 years ago, The British government asked people from the Caribbean, from the empire, to come and rebuild Britain after the war. And my parents were one of those people who felt back in 1958, 56, I think it was, my dad decided that we should come to England to help Britain. We had the motherland calling us to come to Britain and help rebuild. The streets are paved with gold. Come, we need you. But when we came here... It was not what we expected, even though in the Caribbean we sang Land of Hope and Glory, Rule Britannia, God Save the Queen. We felt British. But when we got here, we thought, what the hell are you doing here? So there was a lot. And I was 10 when I arrived. I faced a lot of adversity Uh, in the book. You can see where people would spit at me, call me names, and I had to really dig deep. And it's because I had the sense of pride, of belonging, that the Queen loved me. That's the belief that you, you, know, you were fed back in the Caribbean. I felt the Queen loved me. I'm somebody, so I'm going to make it here. And that's why I wrote Come Into England as a gift to my children and the millions of children out there who feel lost and alone, not necessarily having to come from the Caribbean, but from various parts of the world, like we have today, coming into Britain. How the, what's the feeling? how you want to, to sort of build a life, to feel you belong, break down the barriers. And for the people of the country, the English people, the British people in this country who are born here, to understand why people are coming in and how to accept. And that's when I wrote the book because I knew I knew it was important necessary. Well, lo and behold, <laughs> I even made a film of the book for, for, the, for the BBC. And lo and behold, the 20th anniversary, Pam Macmillan said to me, We love this book so much. We'd like to re-release it uh, with four uh, illustrations as a 20th anniversary edition. It came out, 20th anniversary edition. Guardian Book of the Month. Times Book of the Week. A Guardian Children's Book of the Year 2016. Who would have thought after 20 years to get this accolade? So I'm absolutely thrilled. And everybody who reads the book sees themselves in one way or another. Because it's a book about being different. How do you react to other people's criticism, prejudices, if you're different? And that's what it's all about.
0: You must be thrilled that it's had such a positive reaction. And of course, it will be for a whole new generation of readers, uh, kids who've grown up and grew up with you, seeing you on television. Uh, on on kids' television, BBC, and now they can read the book and find out a lot more about you.
1: Well, that's that's exactly. um, Being in the House of Lords is fantastic because a lot of the ministers all grew up watching me because I did play school, a programme called Play School, through the round window, the square window, the arched window, with the toys, Humpty and Jemima. And I took them all through through that journey, that wonderful journey, 41 years ago. So they've all grown up watching me. And the teachers are the same. In the classroom, the teachers grew up watching me. So when they see my name on a book, they say, we've got to get it because they know that Floella is the person who loved them. Floella is the one they can trust. And what Floella says is actually to do with childhood and to make people feel good about who they are. So that's how great insurance policy. They buy the book for that reason. And the book is on the reading list at schools. And every every year you get a new turnover. Uh, it's a bit like Disney. Disney. Every year there's a new generation, as you're saying, who come through, want to read the book, want to hear what it's all about. Because it's about being different. It's about childhood. It's about how you, you know, if you're for instance, I, I was Talking uh, to some children about the book, and this little girl put her hand up and said, Flawala, I know what you mean and how you feel because I've got ginger hair and they tease me the same way and call me names and I feel bad about who I am. And I'm so pleased I met you because you showed me how to cope. Somebody blonde, they don't like me because I've got blonde hair, blue eyes, big ears, I'm a bit, you know, a bit fat, whatever it is, people pick on other people for those reasons. And that's why coming to England. It's such an important book. The first publisher said to me, Floella, this book is going to be a classic. In 50, 60, 70 years' time, it'll be on the bookshelves and people will be taking it off because it's about humans' emotions and about how you survive. And it's it's a book that we can all identify with because we've all been children and we know how children suffer in silence a lot of times. People say children are resilient. Of course they're resilient. But all the pain and the suffering and the anxieties and the emotions and the things they go through when they get older and they have their own children, it all comes pouring out. And I do visits in prison. I go to prisons a lot and talk to the prisoners there. And each time you get to that place and you talk to them about their lives, they all say, when I was a child, when I was a child, when I was a child childhood lasts a lifetime. And if we can all take that responsibility of understanding what that means, we can change the world. Change the world for the better. Because you bring up human beings who aren't depressed, human beings who feel confident in themselves, contented in their hearts, human beings who love the world, love the world and the nature and the natural feeling that you feel inside that's our responsibility as writers that's our responsibility as communicators and you know i listen to your voice and you've got that warmth and that compassion for the listener as you draw people in to what you're saying that is a gift that must not be used as you know blasé or, you know so what oh no 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 someone out there listening to you you're touching their soul
0: isn't that
1: isn't that a special feeling in your own heart how do you feel about that
0: Oh thank you it's a very very nice, very nice compliment to take um, now the book is all about coming to England so I, I want to ask you Floella to take us back to your childhood days in Trinidad what what were they like and and how would you contrast those with the sort of life you led when you first arrived in England
1: well, I had a very, very happy childhood. I had a father who was a bit of a philosopher. He used to open our minds to the world. He used to tell us magical things about the world out there, the history of the world, Africa. Tell us the Nancy stories. He used to make us sing and dance, take us to the cinema, open air cinema and watch the movies and come back home because we didn't have television or radio, we had to make up our own entertainment. So that gave me the confidence I'm one of six children and all my five brothers and sisters, we've all been successful in our own given choice of careers because we have that confidence. And my mother was an earth mother. She was beautiful and she poured love into us. Love, love, love. She made us feel great about who we are. Every day she told us she loved us. I went to school and I learned about the British Empire. I was told the Queen loved me. I learned all about British heroes. So for the first eight years of my life, it was magical. Grew up with the sun, fresh fruit, walking to school, coming home for for lunch, walking back to school again, exercise, freedom, spiritual connection with the world. Then my father decided that he'd listen to the call from Britain to go to England. And I had almost two years without seeing my dad and 15 months without seeing my mum. And those were the worst periods of my life because I had to live with two of the most horrible foster parents. (laughs) And I think about how people are wicked to children. They're wicked to my sister and I. In what way? Well, they used us as servants. They'd wake us up in the morning. The woman was very superstitious. And she's to wake us up four or five o'clock in the morning and say, sprinkle holy water around the house to keep the evil spirits away. <laughs> and I'd say, hang on a minute, the evil spirits are already in this house. I'm stopping them getting out. We'd have to go and get a chicken, go and get a chicken to cook. Now, you didn't go to the shop to get a chicken. You had to go and get a live chicken, wring the neck, pluck the f- feathers off to get it cooked. You had to clean before you went to school. School started at eight o'clock in the morning. You had to clean do the cooking, do everything before you went to school. I'm an eight, nine-year-old child. Can you imagine having to do that? My brothers, my two brothers in Ellington and Leicester, they stayed with some other foster parents because my mother took my two youngest um, siblings to uh, England with her. And they had to fight for their food. One plate of food, winner takes all. If you didn't win, you didn't eat. My brothers were six and seven at the time and they still suffer from them. Childhood lasts a lifetime. And so I, that's why I work with so many charities, children's charities, because I understand right now, at this very moment, there's a child suffering, some sort of abuse, be it physical, mental, sexual abuse, somewhere. And I was lucky I didn't suffer any sexual abuse, but I suffered mental and physical abuse from those horrible people. So when my mother said we come into England, we were joyful. And we came to Britain expecting to be that united family again. But we lived in one, we turned up and lived in one room. Can you imagine eight people in one room? But my mother said, this room is full of love. This room is a, a room that you will feel safe in because we are a unit again, a family. And I went to school been called names. It didn't matter. My mum said you're in England and people are going to hate you because of the colour of your skin. But it doesn't matter. Remember your mommy and your daddy loves you. And go to school and learn learn learn. Because education is your passport to life. Education is your passport to life. And all the way. That's been my mantra. And when I was a Chancellor of the University of Exeter <laughs> during the Diamond Jubilee 2012, the Queen came to Exeter. And me being the Chancellor, I had to take her around, show her to everyone, introduce her to everyone. Then we sat and had lunch together. We spent two hours together. And I told her my story about coming to England. And she had incredible empathy because she understood what it's like to be sent away from your parents because she was sent away from her parents during the war. And what it's like to be different because people criticize her because she's a Queen, even though they don't know her. And we got on so well. And she's an uh, amazing woman, the Majesty the Queen. And I felt, in a way, because of her love for the Commonwealth and for people who are different, she does love me because I'm one of those people. I'm from the Commonwealth. I'm different. But I'm determined not to use that as something negative to hold me back. What I use it for is to empower other people, to inspire other people to say, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's the important. When I was on television in play school, so many people said to me, because you were there, I knew I could do it. Because you had made it, that meant there was hope for me. So I see my role as paving the way for the future, helping people to get onto that road, that road of success, to feel they belong, not to feel because I'm different, because I might be wearing a headscarf, or have a different religion, or have a different skill colour, that I am inferior. Mm Mm-mm. I am worthy. I am worthy. And I get children to say that. I am worthy. I am worthy. Don't believe what they tell you. And if I believed what they told me, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair today. If they believe, the men who spat at me, lift up my skirt and say, where's your tail monkey? The people who tried to do horrible, wicked things to me. If I believed them, hey, I wouldn't be standing in the House of Lords where 500 years ago, the people who stood in that same place decided the fate of my ancestors. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Isn't that magical?
0: <laughs>
1: love it, love it, love it.
0: Flora, it's been inspiring talking to you. I I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed our interview. And uh, I really, really, really do look forward to making your acquaintance again in March at the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. And I hope you have a great time. I hope you meet lots of kids, lots of people and inspire them in the way that you have me. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you.
1: Because I always say to people, go to Dubai. It's one of the eighth wonders of the world. It's a fantastic place and I love it.